welcome to Thriving with Mental Illness, a podcast with real talk, an open and honest conversation about issues surrounding mental health. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. I'm Mikkel Buck, author, public speaker, and suicide survivor who's lived with mental illness for over 20 years. And with me is my guy, Adam. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, we're glad to have Mikkel back. She's been traveling the world, not really the world, but <laughs> Utah, <laughs> <laughs> traveling interstate <laughs> uh, quite a bit and quite a lengthy trip. Yeah. You were gone for like a week. Yeah, I was gone yeah. for a whole week. I got to visit all of the kids and spend so much time with them. It was so much fun. So side note, I'm by myself for an entire week and it's one of those things where I work from home and at the beginning, it's kind of fun. <laughs> For like a couple of days. And by the end, I'm like really thinking I'm going crazy because I'm just like talking to myself and listening to music myself and doing everything by myself. And Wandering. I see myself. I had to come home to yeah. <laughs> give you some company. So yes, you're back and uh, and we're very happy about that. But why don't you share some uh, some stories about what you did? Yeah, the, uh, it was just so much fun to see all of the kids. Usually I'm only up for... I don't know, two or three days or something. It's a quick trip. And this time we had a lot of things to take care of. And so it took a little bit longer. But in the meantime, I got to just hang out with each one of the kids so much more than I normally get to. So we I just have so many funny things I would love to tell everybody all about, but I'll keep the story short so that <laughs> this won't be the whole chunk of the podcast. But Ella and I were getting our nails done and we were in there and I was standing up and she was sitting on the chair flipping through trying to pick out colors. And she's like, mom, should I go with this dark green or should I do this light pink? And there was this little grandma next to me, tiny little grandma. And she looked at Ella and she said, go with the green. You'll look foxy. <laughs> it was so cute. So Ella picked the green and she did, in fact, look foxy. So thank you, Grandma. Grandma, Grandma was whoever. right. She knew her business. So, <laughs> yep. So that's a super funny thing that happened with Ella. Sam and I went out to dinner with uh, my aunt and uncle. And the server who served us, he was probably our age, but he thought that Sam and I were married. And we were a couple. <laughs> and this has happened a couple of times when yeah. I've gone out with Max, but this has never happened with Sam before. And he was so pleased with himself. For looking so manly. Like he couldn't, oh, he could not get enough of it. So he was so excited about that, which was so funny. Sort of a rite of passage. Yeah. When you get mistaken for your mom's husband. <laughs> <laughs> I know, which sounds weird, but you know, <laughs> it was quite a compliment for Sam, of course. And I think, I think your aunt and uncle, Rob and Wendy, need a shout out. They were awesome. They do. Oh my gosh. I love staying with him. I walked in the door and my aunt Wendy comes around behind me and massages my back and my neck and she made me cookies and took my shoes off and rubbed my feet. I'm like, everybody needs a hosting experience like that. You feel like a rock star. It was the greatest week of my life. So, so maybe we could take bookings through, through uh, that's right. <laughs> schedule. Yeah. It was so there. fun to stay with them. And then I went up and spent a few days with Max and Savannah as well. And we, we've talked about how they do summer sales, but it's with Fox Pest Control Company. So shout out to Fox. Woo. <laughs> but they were having a big event up there, a giant auditorium right by uh, Utah State University. And there were over 500 people that were there at this event. This is like 
one of their motivational things for their summer sales reps. And a few weeks ago, they had a whole bunch of new merchandise that came out a few weeks ago. So they had Max and Savannah model for them to do a photography shoot so that, you know, all the reps can buy all of this cool new merchandise. So I go in and there's like music blaring. They have a DJ. There's all these big screens around and they're just like flashing and it's just Max and Savannah everywhere up on all the screens and it's going to the music and we walk in and everyone's like, ah, ah, I saw you. I saw you. Come say hi. Woo. It just, it felt like I was with rock stars or something. It was, it was so funny. Anyway, I mean, they're beautiful people. So of course they're up everywhere. They're just, they're so funny. That's they're just so funny. center of the world. So yep. <laughs> I love them so much. Yes. But unfortunately it all had to come to an end and you made your way out of the snow. Back mm-hmm. into the warm weather. So I did. Welcome back. I came home and we had washed the carpets right before we left. And I'd moved everything off the carpet and all the furniture is moved and everything is off the carpet. And I walk, it's been a whole week, right? Not a single thing has been moved. I'm like, hey, babe, I like what you've done with the place. <laughs> Literally, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I worked. Yep. So I needed to come home. We needed yes. to, get, to get back to things. Yes. Thank you. I can be normal now. Yeah. <laughs> so last time... We did a Q&A and Adam asked me a bunch of questions as a mental illness warrior. So we thought it might be interesting this episode to flip the tables and I can ask Adam a bunch of questions about being a cheerleader and see what his perspective is because some of the questions are going to be the same and some of the questions are different, but uh, always good to get your perspective on things as well. Well, good. I always enjoy quizzes when there are no wrong answers. (laughs) You're right. I'm going to get all of these questions correct. That's right. Good for you, babe. Okay. Did you have any friends growing up that had mental illness? You know, the first time I had any experience with mental illness, it was in high school. And I was on the basketball team. And one of my good friends, he and I lived in the same general area. And, uh... And we would, he would give me rides. I didn't have a car and he did. It was this really cool, uh, Mustang. It was an old kind of vintage, awesome car. Um, and he would give me rides to and from basketball practice. And I remember he'd listen to the Beatles all the time. That was his jam. And so we would listen to the Beatles in this old vintage Mustang and, uh, really good guy. And I remember after we graduated, and I was my first year, first semester at BYU, um, I got a call from a friend of mine who told me that he had committed suicide. And it was totally shocking to me. I didn't know, I had no idea. I didn't know what that, why anyone would do that. I didn't know he was struggling in any way. And I just remember talking to my friends, and I wasn't able to make it back for the funeral, but um, friends of mine that were there said that the place was packed. There were just standing room only. So many people loved him. So many people were friends with him. And so I, in my (laughs) being naive. Naivety. Yeah, I just, I thought, why couldn't he see how much everybody loved him. And if only he could have seen, because I assume that people commit suicide when they feel like they don't have any friends. Yeah. Like nobody loves them. Which is not the case. Which is not the case. But that's what I thought. And I just remember being so 
I don't know, confused by it all. And why, how could this happen? And uh, anyway, that's the first time I, I really remember coming face to face with it and, and having lots of questions about why. But anyway, that's who I think of when I yeah. was growing up. So then what, did you have any thoughts growing up about mental illness? Well, I think it was just more of the exaggerated mental illness that you might see in a, a movie mm-hmm. or something like that, that you just think that they're not all there and that they need to be institutionalized. Um, so, I mean, very caricature type stuff. So I unfortunately didn't have a lot of <laughs> solid experience growing up. No information. Mm-mm. So what are your thoughts about mental illness now? Well, <laughs> this is a Sit lot. Down. This I is have a, many. Big, a big question, but I guess the uh, the biggest thing is is just how the mind works, and it's just the mind is showing you things and making you see things that aren't accurate. I've developed a lot more compassion for it and understanding that I had none before i mean not not that i w- didn't have compassion but but i just didn't i didn't get it and so i feel like when you live with someone who has it you get to see you know front and center what it is and especially when it's somebody you love then you just have a lot more compassion to see um how it impacts their day-to-day life and and you become less judgmental i think about you know, things that, you know, that they can and can't do and how life changes accordingly. Well, you're welcome for the show. Yeah. It's quite a ride, huh? (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts on using medication to manage mental illness? Well, I know this is a hot topic for a lot of people. And um, I've just seen before and after, you know, I've seen the weight the struggle, the, the low level of satisfaction and quality of life without medication. And I've seen the reverse. I've seen how fulfilling and happy, um, now you, like we've talked about, you need to make some adjustments, but to me, I've just seen you at your low and I've seen you now and I would just feel so bad um, if it wasn't available to you. So to me, I'm a big advocate for it and everybody's different. I understand that. I'm not a doctor. I've just seen firsthand and, and I would hate to have anybody living that sort of, you know, quality of life forever. Yeah. And I'm just so glad there's some way to help so that you can enjoy life and, and, you know, enjoy the kids and enjoy all the experiences that everybody should enjoy in life. I feel like managing mental illness without medication is the very, very, very hardest way to do it. It's so difficult to get through. Everything is so hard and having medication makes it so much easier. Yeah. It's doable. And I know everybody has thoughts about this or that. I just know what I've seen and I think it's nearly impossible. Um, you know, when you get to a certain point, it's nearly impossible without it. And so it's not going to be the, the cure all. It's not going to fix everything, but 
it'll make it so that you can enjoy life. And do you have any concerns about me being on medication? I mean, yes. I mean, that's always a concern. I mean, cause you don't know what, you know, impact long-term it has, but I, I feel like there's really no other good option. It's like you, you have two choices when, when you're dealing with mental illness, not having it is not one of those options. That would be my first choice if somehow I could figure out how to, so you, you didn't have it, but didn't have mental illness or not, not didn't have medication. Yeah. Mental. Yeah. If you didn't have to struggle with mental illness and I know we've, you know, you find silver linings and there are positive things, but you just don't want people that you love to have to deal with it. But if they do, then, you know, we can figure it out. It is what it is. It is what it is, and we'll deal with it. What are your thoughts on psychiatrists or psychologists? Um, psychiatrists, I mean, there's no way you're getting medication without one. Right. So, Well, unless you go to a family doctor, but I well, feel like that's, that's, true. that's not, true. not a great option. They don't understand how all these medications work as well. Yeah. I feel like, you know, medication is such a big step. Um, to do it without a psychiatrist is unnecessarily risky. Well, yeah, risky. Yeah. I feel like it's a mistake, but that's why I don't do it. So right, it's because they are. I mean, medication—it's a serious business. I mean, it is not to be treated lightly. You have to have a healthy respect for it, and you need a professional to, you know, to help navigate that and give you the greatest you know, success possible. Did you have any preconceived notions about psychiatrists before we started going? I mean, I did because I never saw one growing up uh, and psychologists, you know, I never went to one. So I, I've just changed how I view them as more of a team member, you know, and I think we talked about this on, on one of our episodes, but, you know, I remember growing growing up uh, playing basketball, a lot of kids on the basketball team would have these trainers on the side to help them. And, and, you know, with their jumping, for example, I remember one kid and he had these special shoes and he had this trainer and he really wanted to just be able to jump higher. And I never had one of those. Um, but he, he out jumped me, you know, I mean, he, it, it showed success. Um, and now I just view it sort of like that. It's like, these are, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of coaches out there in a variety of areas and a psychologist and psychiatrist, they're just in one area. If you want to improve in that particular area and that's where you need help, they're your, you know, can be on your team. So that's different than how I viewed them before. Yeah. Have you ever tried to tell me something about mental illness that you don't think I've heard? The only time I feel like, as I look back, that you it was frustrating because you didn't hear me is really at the low point. Um, when I was trying to express how valuable and valued and loved you are to me, to the family. And you just didn't see it. You, it, you just felt like we would be better off, uh, without you or with somebody else. And I just remember trying with all my might to help you understand that. And when the person's at that point, they just don't see it. And it wasn't, you know, I've, I've learned that it's, it's medication that needs to be present to start feeling those things again. 
And so a lot of talking when you're at that low point is really difficult, but that's the only time I remember being frustrated that you weren't hearing me. Yeah. What's something that you wish you understood better about mental illness? I just wish I understood why, you know, what, what causes it, you know, I, I think it would be fascinating to know, is it genetic? Is it, it is genetic. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but how, you know, I mean, cause we have some, you know, of our kids that struggle and some that don't. Um, so I would like to know more about the brain and how the brain actually works. Um, because I, I think there's more of a neurological component that up to this point, people have just viewed as more of mental, this vague mental illness um, instead of a neurological brain condition. Yeah. And it would be fascinating to understand really how the neurology, you know, affects mental illness. Yeah. Does it bother you that people know about my mental illness? I mean, it's kind of a moot point now because <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think at the beginning, you know, cause you never know how people are going to take it. Yeah. And so you feel sort of protective, you know, as a husband and, you know, sometimes you're a little reluctant to have other people know, cause you don't know if they're going to be nice. You don't know if they're going to be judgmental. Uh, so yeah, I think at the beginning, maybe I was a little more uh, protective or cautious and, uh, now obviously <laughs> it is what it is. Here we are. Here we are. So no, I don't have any issues anymore. Can you tell when I'm struggling and having a hard time? Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, other people might not know. We laugh, but... <laughs> As a matter of fact, I do know. You know, the thing that I noticed initially is that you start to get um, short with people, me or other people. And at the beginning, it's sort of made me think that you were agitated at me. But then I realized you're just dealing with something and you just barely have enough energy to deal with, with internally what's going on. And so anything else is really, you just don't have the resources, the reserves to deal with it. And so when I can see that you're at that point, we need to, you know, <laughs> stop doing what we're doing. We need to cancel some things. We need to, yeah. Do some things. So I think that's, that would be the first indicator. Have you noticed anything that triggers events or worsens my symptoms? Yes, I would say, well, the funny thing is when we go to social activities, you love them. So I think there's this belief, maybe how you talk about not being social, that you don't like social events. But the thing is you do. Um, but it, if we have a, a big social event or we have two back to back, you like it, but then all of a sudden you're overspent. So I think, you know, just being aware of the social, uh, a lot of social activities is one of those things. And the other one is staying up too late. 
<laughs> hot <laughs> mess. Yes. I <laughs> cannot know. stay up past my bedtime. <laughs> if for some reason we're up till midnight, it's like, oh boy, <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> is going to be. We were on a double date one time with uh, my really good friend, Shauna. And we were sitting at the table and her date was like, because I, I had said, okay, at 930, you have to go because I have to take my pills and then it's time for me to go to bed. And her date didn't know me, really. And so he's like, well, what if we just stay up a little bit later? What if we do it till 10 or 1030? And Sean is like, oh, no, no, no. If Mikkel stays up late, Adam has to deal with it tomorrow. We are not doing that to Adam. We're leaving right now. <laughs> I'm like, yep, that's what my, my friend knows that. Well, and it's even to the point where I will, because before I would just wait for you to tell me. Yeah. But if I wait until you tell me that you're done and ready to go, it's usually way past the point. So I try to anticipate that. And I think I'm a little bit better at doing that, but realizing, okay, it's about time and let's, (laughs) let's finish up now. Before it becomes... You can tell by my facial expression. Yes. I cannot yes. hide anything in my face. I can read your face, and as soon as I see the look, <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's you time. You whisk me out. It's, You're really good at that. It's time to wrap things up. Do you think it's important to talk about mental illness in society today? I do. I mean, I, I think... I think everything's harder when you don't talk about it. I mean, that's been my experience, you know, as soon as you talk, as soon as you discuss with other people, there's just a weight that's lifted and it, and it just becomes more like normal that nothing you need to be ashamed of. And the less you talk about it, it kind of gives the impression that there's something improper or wrong with mental illness or what people are experiencing. And I just think that sends the wrong message. So I, I'm a big advocate of, of talking and letting people express themselves. And, you know, cause I, I also think as they talk about it, they start to understand and articulate more how they're feeling, which is a good thing too. Yeah. Do you think that it's more prevalent now, or do you think people are just more aware of it now? I don't know. That's another one of those things that I wish I knew because it, it does seem, you know, I, I see all these news articles, I see all these studies And it just shows depression, anxiety, you know, bipolar, whatever the mental illness all seem to be ratcheting up. And so I don't know if it's just we're diagnosing it more or if there's something about our society that is triggering this. And so, yes, I would love to know the answer to that question. Yeah. What's the hardest thing for you about my mental illness? I think at the beginning it was, um, canceling things, you know, and we've talked about that before too, is, you know, I always, you know, I want to make sure to, (laughs) to be reliable and to, to other people, you know, and, and to, to realize that you're my highest priority and that it's okay to cancel other things. It's because really what you're doing is prioritizing. You know, you can't say yes to every single thing that comes at you in life. And I think at the beginning, I was just sort of doing that. I wanted to be the person that said yes to everything because I felt like that's what the right thing to do is. And now I've realized, no, it's you're actually supposed to prioritize, say yes to the things of your highest priority and say no to the things that are lower in priority. So 
that's changed a lot over the years. Do you think there are any good things that have come from it? Yes. I mean, I think you and I are closer um, by working through it. I mean, it, certainly at, you know, at the crossroads when things were really, really difficult, I didn't know if we were going to be closer or if this was going to be extremely difficult forever. Um, but having worked through that, uh, definitely, I feel like our relationship is closer. I feel like I understand you. I think it's forced us to have deeper conversations. Um, and I think spouses need to have deeper conversations. You know, I think it's healthy. And, and the problem is when you have kids, it seems like all of our conversations, you know, are about not superficial things, but it's coordinating. And what about this? Are you doing that? And you don't have time to really dig deep into, you know, deep, meaningful discussions. And I, I feel like this has forced us to do that. Yeah, I agree with you as well. What would your advice be for another cheerleader who's kind of at the beginning of this road? Hmm. Buckle up, cowboy. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> You're in for a ride. No, no. I think the biggest advice is don't ever give up hope that things are going to get better. I know, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but there are times where, you know, at the beginning, because I didn't know anybody, I didn't know how this all works out. And so I just thought, wow, is this going to be this way forever? And, and you just have to realize you have to get rid of that thought altogether because it's not, there are ways it will get better. There are resources out there, but the biggest thing is just stick with your person. If it's your spouse, just make them the highest priority and you will work through it. It will get better, but they need to know that you're committed for the long haul, you know, and you need to be committed. You know, that's the only way to get through. If you're kind of got one foot in one foot out, you probably aren't going to make it. Yeah. Requires full commitment. Okay. So last question, most important one. Scale of one to 10. How awesome am I? I'm going to say a 10. Thanks, babe. Yeah. I love unsolicited compliments. They're the very <laughs> <Yeah>. best kind. <laughs> we have, uh, in my book, we have a whole chapter where we kind of do a Q&A with you in it to kind of get your perspective. So if people are wanting to know more about kind of what your experience has been and what you have learned and like a Q&A with you, you know, you can order the book and, and it's one of the chapters in there. So anyway, you can get the book anyway on Amazon, Thriving with Mental Illness. So if any of my answers are different in that book, then this is the right version. This, this is the updated version. This is the updated version. That's outdated. So what you just heard is the real Re up to date. Release 2.0. <laughs> this is the, the amended version. If you like this podcast, read it and share it with a friend. If you have questions that you would like to submit, you can do so on Instagram at Thriving with Mental Illness or on Facebook, Mikkel Buck. We're so glad you were here and we'll see you next time. See you next time.